It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. Uh, go over to www.theagship.com and subscribe if you haven't already at either the $6 or $10 tier. The $10 tier gets you access to the film stories as well as, forgot to mention this last time, the monthly Q&A podcast, which is going to be coming up here real soon. I have to send out the uh, the call for questions. We're going to record that sooner than later because um, uh, we are we are due for one this uh, this month, month of September. Uh, I'm joined, of course, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man? What's up, Patrick? Um, ready to talk some football? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a game to preview here. We've got Utah State versus <laughs> James Madison. James Madison three and zero coming into this game, fresh off a sixteen to fourteen road win over reigning Sun Belt champions Troy, as well as a thirty six to thirty five road win over Virginia. I think that's right. I'm going off memory there. Um, yeah, they good. are in their second season at the FBS level. They were, of course, a perennial powerhouse at the FCS level, won two national championships since 2004. I did a lot of James Madison homework today, so I have a lot of this stuff uh, fresh on my mind. If you want to read my full written preview of the Dukes, you can go over again to www.theagship.com. That is up now. Um, Where do you want to start here? Where do you want to start with this one? Well, let's just start with JMU. Uh, I mean, you kind of gave a a good introduction to this team, but let's start with kind of an intro to who these guys are, Um, even just kind of off the football field. This is kind of the mystery opponent, I would say, for maybe the the casual Utah State fan. I mean, there's there's a few groups of people that might know these these guys very well, Um, and it's really any fans of women's sports. James Madison actually has a really long and rich history in, yeah. in women's sports. They were actually women's school when they were founded, Yeah, uh, an all-women's school. And then the other group of people is uh, just local football heads who have been kind of following even just Weber State. Um, Weber State fans are probably very uh, well acquainted with these guys going back into the, uh, the FCS level where it was kind of James Madison was a powerhouse. Weber State has been uh, up there as well. Um, but outside of that, they are kind of the mystery school. Iowa is a national brand. Idaho State is a half a tank of gas of weight away from Logan. Yeah. And UConn is UConn. Um, but James Madison is probably the school that the fans might not know. Um, it's it's a public school in Harrisburg, Virginia. Like you mentioned, they are uh, 3-0 and with wins versus Bucknell. And then at Virginia and Troy, a very, very impressive football team this season. And as you alluded to, uh, they are not a longtime FBS school. They joined the Sun Belt in 2022, joining from the Colonial American Conference, which was an FCS uh, league. Yep. Uh, and they did not miss a beat, jumping from the FCS to the FBS level. Um, very reminiscent to Utah State jumping from the WAC to the Mountain West. And that was just a conference change. Um, and that was very impressive at the time to be playing in the first you know, you know, Utah State in 2013, I believe it was. You know, we were playing Fresno State in the in our first ever Mountain West Championship game. Yeah. Um, very, very similar to that. These guys did not miss a beat, jumping from FCS where they were dominant, uh, jumping to FBS. There, it sounds like there was a little bit of confusion at some point um, at one of the press conferences where, yeah, you know, they they are very new to this level. Um, but as Blake said, there's nothing FCS about them. These guys are legit. They are. Uh, they are good. They're they're a scary team, and uh, you know that's that's kind of what we're up against this week. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a question from a, I think a TV guy a couple weeks ago at a at a post game press conference about James Madison, 
um, that, uh, and I don't blame him because not everybody, I mean, most, most people who are just on a beat for a team are just, you know, following that team. I don't, it's not fair to expect people to be, especially in the mountain West, like keeping tabs on everything that's happening in the Sun Belt. Um, but there was somebody who seemed to be a little bit confused about the fact that these guys are in the FBS and have been now, this is their second season. Um, if they were eligible for the postseason, which they weren't last year and aren't this year, uh, they would have been, I believe, in the Sun Belt Championship game last fall, uh, which that's a really good league. That's a really, really strong group of five conference that is, you know, right up there with the best of them. That's, that's you know, we've talked about the Sun Belt a little bit on this show before. That is the, 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 the caliber against which the Mountain West measures itself right now. I think the Sun Belt is probably the best G5 conference in, in football this season. Um, there's not a ton of evidence for that yet just because we haven't seen a lot of football, but these guys jumped right into a really good league and immediately were extremely competitive. They had three losses in a row, and outside of that, they did not lose last year. They were ranked uh, five games into their FBS uh, tenure. They were 25th. Um, they could very easily return to that place this season if they can win here and, and, and you know get a couple more. This is a very, very, very well-built, very good program and it has been for a long time. Mickey Matthews really built this up in the in the 2000s into the title contender, title winner in 2004, um, and uh, everybody since him has just had similar success. Everett Withers had two playoff berths. Um, I'm trying to remember, my, I think Mike Houston was next. Obviously, he was excellent there and jumped to ECU. Um, I think he went to two title games, lost them both, but he went to two of them. Uh, and then... Uh, it's been Kurt Signetti, who's the head coach there now. He also went, I believe, to an FCS title game, was very good at that level, led them into their jump, and like you said, they haven't missed a beat. They look like a, they look like a really good Sunbelt team. They look like a Sunbelt team with a ton of talent. They have a lot of P5 transfers. They have a lot of really good transfers who they brought up from lower levels. There's guys from like Stony Brook, uh, St. Francis PA, which is a really good FCS program that seemingly produces like... 25 transfers a year and continues to win games. You just see these guys all over FBS rosters. Um, they have a guy from North Dakota State. They're really good. They're really, really, really good, and this is a very difficult matchup for Utah State, and we're going to get right into that here, starting as we usually do with these matchups. In, uh, we're going to open up here with the James Madison rushing attack against the USU rush defense, um, which in I think in my estimation and probably a lot of people's estimation not feeling as good about now after what they did against Air Force as I was coming out of week two. Felt pretty good about the run defense going into the Air Force game. Feeling a lot less positive about it now, given what they did in that uh, in that Friday night matchup. Yeah, I I am really still having a hard time feeling out what I uh, what I want to feel about these Aggies. I'm having a hard time getting a read. Um, even even now, three games in. It's, it's hard to just keep discounting games because of what they were, but we keep, you know, as we've said multiple times on the show, you kind of take uh, Iowa with a grain of salt because it's Iowa. You take Idaho State with a yeah. grain of salt because it's Idaho State. You get into Air Force, and there's a lot you can learn from Air Force, and there's a lot that's just irrelevant because you only see it against Air Force. Yep. So, you know, as a fan, as a, you know, as from my podcast chair here, it is tough, but even – if we're struggling with this to a lesser degree, I do think the coaching staff is probably having a hard time with, oh, yeah. with finding their identity. And I think we saw that with, 
You know, I'm not going to go on another rant about why on earth we had three quarterbacks out there <laughs> last week, but um, may- maybe I will. We'll see. I'm going to, I'm not going to do it now, but we'll see where we go. Yeah. Um, they, I think they are having a hard time finding their identity. And this is a big part of it. The USU, that, that run defense that has looked good at times this season has not looked good recently this season. Yeah. Um, combine that with a, with the JMU offense that's really well balanced, really well rounded, and very competent on the ground, um, there's a lot to be worried about. Now, the one thing about that is nobody's run defense looks good against Air Force. And so, as I mentioned, like we there, there's things that we have to kind of take with a grain of salt, and I think that might be one of them. But the Utah State run defense after last week has a lot to prove this week. Um, because they, they looked, I think, especially bad against Air Force, where yeah. uh, Air Force embarrasses a lot of teams, but I think we were especially unprepared uh, to stop the run, and we, uh, you know, we yeah. paid paid dearly for it. Yeah, Air Force did not, as we said on the recap show, did not have to move off that first option in the triple option attack, and that's not usually what you want. It was pretty much, pretty much just the fullback, and it was not a huge deal for, for them to do that. It does bear mentioning that Utah State was for much of that game without Anthony Switzer, who I think is a pretty critical part of what they're doing on that side of the ball, especially against the run, and he is expected to play here. Granted, we expected him to play last week and had no inclination that he wasn't uh, going to or that he was hurt until the game started and he wasn't on the field. Um, we'll see what his status is for this one. He's it's you know Blake Anderson has said that he's healthy and full go, but we'll see. Um, and so I think that that's part of it. And, and, you know, you alluded to it. This is now into game four, the first time that Utah state has played what I would describe as a normal offense. I think that yeah, agreed. You, you, you've seen three very strange offenses for this Utah state defense that you're really not going to see, uh, very often, you know, air force is obviously one of, one of three in America that runs that system or anything really approximating that system along with the other two academies. Um, Idaho States is a little bit less unique because I do think that you'll see, you know, Utah State will play some teams that are running something that are running things adjacent to the air raid. Um, but that's not a balanced offense by any means. Idaho State is also not especially good at it right now, um, and they're an FCS program. And then Iowa is Iowa and is, you know, currently in a in a very difficult battle with winning with uh, scoring 25 points per game they are struggling <laughs> they are struggling mightily yes. with the with the challenge of scoring 25 points per game which is uh not good that is not a good amount of points to be trying to score very desperately and not doing a great job of it um and and so yeah this is the first look at really a standard offense a pretty standard offense james madison doesn't do anything too crazy on that side of the ball they are, like you said, really balanced. They have a, a quarterback who can run in Jordan McLeod, Arizona transfer, started his career at South Florida. Um, they have three really good running backs, three pretty good running backs, I think, in Kalon Black, Latrell Palmer, and Stony Brook transfer Tyson Lawton. Uh, they use all three of them. Uh, Black has been the leading rusher there. They lost their, their number one halfback from last season, Percy Ajaye Obesi, um, who was, I think, almost a thousand yard rusher, but They've not really missed a beat, and that is because um, this offensive line is preposterous. This offensive line, the the pulling the numbers for these guys when I was writing the preview, 
I was just, uh, it doesn't, you don't get much more continuity than this. They have all five starters back from last season, led by all Sunbelt tackle Nick Kidwell. Um, those five guys have combined for 9,132 career snaps, all at James Madison. They have exclusively done that within this system, within this offense. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That's a lot of continuity up front, and it translates really well both to the you know keeping their quarterback upright and to running the football. They're they're just tremendous on this on this offensive line. Yeah, I mean there are professional teams that have guys under contract that don't have that type of continuity. I mean yeah. this is uh, that that is a really mind blowing level of continuity at a position group that sometimes we ignore. I mean a lot of times we. We, we refer to everybody outside of that position group as the talent guys, right, or the skill positions. Um, but make no mistake about it, this is a very important position, and they are very, very stacked at it. And that is that is a dangerous thing going into this game for Utah State. The other thing I would mention along with the their offense in general is you mentioned the, the fact that this is kind of the first traditional, quote-unquote traditional offense we're going to see it's also the fourth unique offense we're seeing in as many weeks. Um, you mentioned you kind of ran through those three offenses that we've seen so far. Uh, that is a really, really difficult task to go against Iowa, Idaho State, Air Force, and then these guys in four consecutive weeks. Yeah. Um, especially, well, let's reiterate just the fact that Air Force is um, just a phantom that will haunt you. I mean, yeah. that that's been something that they've been probably talking about. Uh, going into every every practice and so it's nice to have that behind us but uh that is still very very difficult to have to try to prepare for such such different offenses and really other than i guess i guess iowa's not the best offense and idaho state's at a lower level but um the level of mastery that the last two teams have uh, air force is very very good at what they do james madison is very very good at what they do so it's not only a matter of preparing for something unique it's preparing for something unique that is being executed almost perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing about this JMU team is they, they're just good. Like they do, they execute, they're well-rounded um, and, and not quite to the same degree, I think as air force, um, but they are very disciplined and they are going to make, make you beat them. Yeah. Um, so that is a very tough ask two weeks in a row uh, for four unique offenses, uh, particularly going air force to JMU. That's, that's very difficult. It's a very strong line um, it, at a position that we uh, we did not look good at stopping the run last week. These guys are gonna. It's gonna look different, but they're gonna be um, very competent running the ball. Very very similar to Air Force. It's just gonna look different because they're not gonna have the the eye candy and the triple option. But these guys can run the ball, and if we couldn't stop Air Force, I nothing tells me that we can stop these guys any easier. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I, honestly, I think the goal here for Utah State, given what it has gone through these first three weeks defensively and, and all that we've laid out here, probably just try to hold them below their their season average. It's not too lofty. I think it's like about 170 yards a game. If you can do that, I think you're okay. You know, it's this is not going to be the kind of game where you're just blanking them. This is not going to be the kind of game where I don't know that Utah State's going to do that to a lot of teams this year defensively, but uh, try and try and make things difficult. Try to be in the right place, play discipline, make tackles, things that we didn't really see last week, um, but that we did see against Iowa and that I think are, you know, potential parts of this defense if it does things the right way. 
hold them below that average, make them work for it, and then havoc. There has to be havoc. There wasn't any last week. None. I mean, they had one. Utah State had one sack, and that was it. Uh, there has to be more than that. It's really hard to do. It's easier said than done against this offense. Like you said, they just don't really make mistakes. They're well coached. They're physical. They are stout across the board. Um, but Utah State needs some of that. Utah State needs to be getting tackles for loss. Needs to be putting James Madison into. Uh, obvious passing situations, you know, they, they, they can move the ball through the air and they will do that, but you have to make them, you have to make them do it. Basically, you can't just let them run the ball because they are willing to, uh, they're willing to just do that all game. Not to the same extent as Air Force, but they have the guys, they have the bodies that they can, and they will do that. Um, as for the the James Madison passing attack against the Utah State pass defense, I think this is a little bit friendlier of a matchup for Utah State. Jordan McLeod taking over here at quarterback for Todd Santeo, who I think Utah State fans would remember pretty well from Colorado State. He was the Sun Belt Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year last year. He was very good. Um, McLeod, I don't think it would be reasonable to expect that from him but he's been pretty solid this year he's been efficient he hasn't turned the ball over he's gone generally the right place with the ball doesn't have an amazing arm or anything but they don't really need him to um they uh they have a ton of new faces out wide i think it's still a very talented group but if you are looking for a thing you can do against this offense i think it would probably be slowing down the pass forcing them into passing situations and then trying to get some some sacks and some havoc plays yeah, this is going to be, I think, a a facet of the game that Utah State has the the chance to really make a difference. Um, something about Air Force, they were, I mean, this is the way they played, but they were so in control of the game last week. Um, our defense did not at any point dictate what their offense was going to do. No. Now, that's because they only do one thing, but yeah. they do it so well. Yeah. This is an opportunity against James Madison where, again, they do what they do really well, but it's not an Air Force level of just one thing, run it down your throat, constantly getting four yards of play no matter what. It's um, This is an opportunity to get more guys involved on the defense. I think that's a huge thing uh, that we saw last week is if you can take guys like Ike Larson out of the equation entirely, you're doing something right. Um, and it's nothing against Ike. That's just the way they play. Like, what do you want him to do? Pick off a handoff? Like, there's yeah. nothing he can do yeah. um, as that type of player. Now, this is an offense that is is very good, but it gives our playmakers in the backfield, Jordan or uh, uh, Jaden Fra- Francois, Ike Larson, those guys opportunities to make a difference. Um, James Madison is going to put the ball in the air. They're going to do it really well, but it also gives our guys a chance to, to be playmakers. We saw just two weeks ago, Francois and Larson, both with pick sixes. So there will be an opportunity to, to make plays. Um, and I think in a roundabout way, uh, it seems counterintuitive, but facing a more well-rounded offense gives our defense actually a, a chance to be uh, a bigger factor in this game because it gets our entire defense involved. Um, and that might seem counterintuitive, but I, I really think this uh, gets more of our playmakers involved and, and gives us gives gives us a chance. Like you said, it's a tough offense, but if there is one thing we can do, hopefully it's happening right here in the backfield. And hopefully it, you know, Larson and some of these other guys in the backfield are able to make a difference in this game. Because if they if they don't, if, if they're just passing the ball uh, at will, they're going to probably be able to run the ball pretty well. 
yeah. uh, that that's where we could have some serious problems. But if our if our secondary on the defensive side of the ball can really inject itself into this game, um, we could we could kind of corral this offense into doing what they want what we want them to, and then dictating uh, what what the offense does, which is something we haven't really seen outside of the Idaho State game. Yeah, and I, I that's it's fair that you know we we really haven't gotten to see what this secondary looks like against a again a, a fairly normal offense. Um, and I am interested to see what that looks like. There are players within that secondary that you mentioned, a lot of them who can make plays in this kind of game. There are also guys I have some questions about. We just haven't seen that much, like that many snaps from J.D. Drew or Jaden Francois or <laughs> Simeon Harris or a lot of the guys who are playing big snaps in this secondary. And we know what to expect with guys like Larson and Mike Onyanwu, but this is a young defense. It's a young, inexperienced defense that's still trying to figure out exactly what it wants to do. I think Utah State would get a lot of help from any kind of pass rush at all, any sort of consistent pass rush from, you know, Paul Fitzgerald, Kyan Sloan, who didn't play much against Air Force, I think, as a matchup thing. Um, you know, guys like that, it would be really nice to see getting involved in the passing, you know, the, the, the passing game and defending the passing game a little bit more, getting to the quarterback providing pressure without Utah State needing to blitz, you know, two or three extra extra bodies in there. Um, and, you know, the easiest way to do that, again, is to force passing downs, is to win on first and second down and set yourself up for success with longer third downs. Um, the, the JMU skill core out wide here is... I think it's pretty good. It's a lot of new faces. Like I said, they they lose Chris Thornton, Devin Ravenel, Terrence Green Jr., and tight end Drew Painter from last year. Uh, the that's that's four of their top five leading receivers from a season ago. They have Reggie Brown back, who was a starter for them last year and has been really good this year. He's the leading receiver so far. But everybody else here is pretty new. Uh, number two tight end. Um, Zach Horton is not much of a pass catcher. He is here. He, he was the he was the backup last year. Played a lot of snaps. He's more of a blocker. Um, they went out and they grabbed three transfers who are important to know: Taji Hudson from UC, or ECU, Elijah Surratt from St. Francis, uh, and Phoenix Sproles from North Dakota State. Sproles is more of a slot guy. The other two play on the outside along with Brown. Um, I think Surratt is the best of the bunch here. He is somebody to keep an eye on. He's big. He's fast. He's really good. He makes a lot of plays down the field. I think he's going to be the guy who tests Utah State most vertically. Um, this is not the best receiver unit I think that Utah State will see this season, but they are firmly competent, and I think they will be a, a better test to see what Utah State has in the secondary than we have seen so far by a pretty wide margin. This is the first the first real opportunity to get a feel for what Utah State secondary can do um, against you know not extremely strange circumstances on the other side of the ball. Yeah, and that's just going to be something we keep coming back to is just how normal this offense yeah. is going to seem versus how weird the offense is that we've seen uh, before. And again, like, it has been some of the more unique offenses that we've seen, even again, Idaho state, which is not only unique because they are uh, quite literally in a different level of football than us, but they still do run even within that, a unique, uh, a unique offense. So it is going to be a real test. Um, and you, you did mention it when we talked about kind of the, uh, their run offense and our, our run defense, but it's worth mentioning that Anthony Switzer should be back and ready to play. Yeah. Um, Utah State is at its best, and this is, you know, every team is at its best when their best players play. Yeah. Utah State is at its best when Switzer is healthy and involved. Larson on, on Yonwu, those guys. Um, 
and again, going back to last week, we're, we're going to talk about Air Force a lot because that's the type of team they are. They just they're they're everywhere, man. You know. Yeah. Um, they get in the walls. When, you got Air Force in the walls. You need to get an exterminator yeah. out here. Yeah. Yeah, they get they get everywhere. But um, what they do is they take Michael Onyanwu and Ike Larson out of the game. Yep. Those are two of our best defensive players, and they're just standing there on on green grass doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and again, no fault of their own. It's just the way they play. So. Uh, it will be a good test to see what those guys like. We know that Larson's good. We know that Onyanu's good. Um, some of those other guys, Simi and Harris, like you said, uh, it'll be good we'll to see what they're really yeah. capable of. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll learn a lot. It's a it's a learning opportunity. <laughs> it is. It's a learning. Yeah, for them and for us. Um, but I will say, I feel good. Assuming Switzer is a hundred percent ready to go. Yeah. Um, I do feel good about having going up against this type of offense that gets our best players involved. Yep. Um, and so I, I do think they got some dogs. You mentioned Reggie Brown coming back. They, they did hit that transfer portal hard. Um, and again, North Dakota state don't, you know, don't, don't sleep on those guys. They, they, yeah, they're FCS, but that's another powerhouse. If you're pulling guys from there, uh, that's a good thing, you know? So they have, they hit the portal hard. They load it up. Um, th- this should be a really fun matchup. Their uh, their ability to put the ball in the air and uh, see what our playmakers can do. Yeah, I think Utah State needs big plays. I think that that's going to be the biggest thing for the yeah. defense. Is you got to get big yeah. plays, tackles for loss, interceptions, fumbles, whatever it might be, and that's going to be a key all season. I mean, that is the way that this Joe Cawthon defense wants to operate. It just hasn't happened yet. It just has not yeah. really been the case. And I think that the longer that goes, the harder it's going to be for these guys. You gotta make plays. You gotta make big plays. Yeah, it's and, it's that havoc, man. You gotta yeah. have havoc. Yeah, um, and if you don't have havoc, well, you, I mean, you don't have to look very far to see what it looks like. Just watch last year's <laughs> team. It doesn't. The defense doesn't work yeah. very well when you don't have those big plays. It's just. It's not really meant to be. It's not really meant to be bend don't break. It's supposed to break the other team. That's the whole. That's the whole deal. You're gonna give up big plays and you need to create big plays, and they've just not really done that second part so far. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Let's talk about the Utah State run offense against the James Madison run defense. I will say this is not a good matchup. <laughs> this is not a good matchup for Utah yeah. State because James Madison has, by I think like 30 yards per game, the best run defense in America. They're averaging like 27 yards allowed per game. They just yeah. blanked Troy. Troy has a very strong rushing attack. They forced Troy to pass the ball like 50 times. Um, they, uh, Troy, I mean, it was, this includes sacks. Troy ran, I think 19 times for negative 12 yards. These guys are, you talk about havoc, you talk about getting into the backfield and they're fourth in tackles for loss and fifth in sacks. They are really, 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 really good against the run. Really good. As good as Utah state will see this season, as good as Utah state has seen in a while, um, even with Jamari Edwards and uh, Isaac Okwu gone from this defensive line from last season, there's so much talent. There's so much size and, and depth here. Um, they have, of course, James Carpenter, Tyreek Tucker, and Marshall transfer Emmanuel Bush as more true tackles. Carpenter has been there forever. He is excellent. He is, is you know, every bit as good as advertised. Um, they have a guy who I think is maybe the best defender on this team, uh, Jamri Chroma, who has been sort of a hybrid tackle defensive end for them. He does a little bit of everything. I think he's leading the team in sacks, I want to say. It's either sacks or I think it's sacks. He's got like six tackles for loss and three and a half or four sacks. 
Um, he's really good. He's he's like 6'4", 270 something. They put him all over the field. Um, that group is extremely hard to move, extremely physical, very good tacklers, very good at getting up the field, getting past the offensive line, past the line of scrimmage, and pursuing into the backfield, which is why they allowed negative 12 yards to a very good Troy rushing attack. Um, there, there is a question here about the linebackers. Taurus Jones and Jalen Walker were both out last week. Those are the traditional starters. They started all of last season. They were both all Sunbelt guys last year. Um, that would be good that, you know, that would be, that would be something that Utah state could try to take advantage of if they're both out, if not for the backups, Aiden Fisher and Trent Hendrick, both sophomores, both excellent against Troy, which has a better rushing attack than Utah state does at this point. Um, it is just, a. It's wave after wave of guys here. It is, it is a uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches that they have on this run defense. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm I'm as optimistic an Aggie fan as you're gonna find. I can sit here and try to poke holes in what I see in their run defense, but it's it's all for naught. I mean this this is a really tough matchup, and we're all talking about an offense that is going to as we'll talk about more in a second be led by a true freshman quarterback and it's going to have a lot a lot of question marks there's there's been question marks with the play calling already there's been question marks with uh the quarterback and you know that that's sorting itself out but we don't know what the play calling is going to be like we i still don't think we know uh what blake is as a play caller if he's any good or not we just don't know yeah um this run defense that we're up against is going to make us pay for all of that. Yeah. You mentioned Jones and Walker. Who knows if they play? It doesn't matter. Fishing and uh, Fisher and Hendrick were still good enough to probably uh, cause a lot of problems up here in Logan. Yeah. Um, I will say I like the stable that we're putting together. It's still developing in my mind. I think the our running core is going to be. I mean, it's already good. It's already something that people are are really uh, amped up about. But the the three, uh, you know, the the three running backs that we have between Bazon Booth and um, Briggs, um, Booth and Briggs, by the way, are sounding like healthy and, and ready to go after not being 100 percent last week. Yeah, um, those guys are good. That's a really really good stable that we have. Um, come mid season, I think those guys are going to be you know at their peak form, and that, that's going to be a really developed very difficult to stop running group. I just don't think it's ready yet. I All three of those guys are talented. I'm not sure if we're 100% using each of them correctly. Um, it's tough. This is, the, this is a tough, tough matchup. This is, like you said, this is the toughest matchup, I think, of the game. It's going to be tough to move the ball on the ground. I mean, and you look at Troy. Troy is a competent team negative 12 yards that's that's something that is unheard of at utah state so far we've run the ball actually really really well i would hope that we can do that again and it's possible you know you you mentioned there are a couple question marks on that side of the ball um i I still don't think we do know what we're capable of in, in terms of our run game i think there's still um some steps to to take there it still is a developing part of our game it's possible for us to to really blow this up and, and have a decent game on the ground, but yeah, I, I really want to give a lot of props to this JMU, uh, the ability for JMU to stop the run. It's it's really impressive, and it's going to be really difficult. 
yeah, it is a it's a really really significant test for Utah State in game planning to try and figure out a way around these guys. And if you can you know get past that first wave, then there is some room to work with how aggressive this this defense is in pursuing havoc. Um, if you can get past that you can you know, find some big plays. And we've seen Rasul Faison do that a little bit. I think he's capable of that. Um, I don't know that this is quite the game for somebody like Davon Booth, who's a little bit more straight up and down, just trying to get downhill. I don't know that you can really do that here. Kamani Vidal, the guy at uh, Troy, is a lot like that, and he did not have a whole lot of success in that game. Um, Briggs, I would imagine, more of a receiving threat in this game. Could get outside. I mean, he's fast. He's quick enough to do that. But you really can't run into the teeth of this defense unless you just don't, you know, want to gain any yards. If you want to gain yards, I would not recommend running into this defense in any way, shape, or form. you got to get more creative than that. Because even really good rushing attacks with really good offensive lines that are settled and have a distinct identity and know exactly what they're going to do have not been able to run the ball on these guys. And Utah State cannot really claim that yet. There's talent, but this line has been shaky, and you just you got to try and take you got to try and take the disadvantage of, out of the game as much as you possibly can. And and for Utah State, I don't know what exactly what that looks like. I've not seen that creativity in the run design a ton. You know, there's there's some of it. I think that some of the gap stuff that they're doing is pretty cool. I just you got to do more of it. Inside zone is not going to work here. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not. I I love I love Falapule Alo. I think he's an excellent player. I think he's a very very good center. I don't know that he's winning the matchup one on one with James Carpenter every single down. James Carpenter's really big and really good. He's an all Sun Belt player for a reason. Um, and they have a lot of them. They have a lot of guys like that. They have a lot of talent like that at all three levels. You get to the Rovers. And you have guys like uh, two two tough names here, uh, Jarius Rumanek, uh, who was a uh, he was a recruit to to uh, Arkansas State under Anderson, from I think 19 to stay there until 21, and then transferred to James Madison. He's good. Uh, Chris Chuck Winecki is also good. He's another rover for them. And then this safety core has just been here forever. Francis Meehan, Kay Reed, and uh, Josh Surratt have all been here. They're all good. Jacob Thomas is the new guy. Sophomore, really hard hitter. Can't cover to save his life, but they don't really ask him to. There's just there's help at all three levels. It's There's not... There's not a good way to run on these guys. The, the the best way is to try and make your running plays look like something else. Is to is to try and uh, how how do you least run the ball against these guys while still running the ball? Um, is is really the operative question and one that nobody has been able to figure out quite yet. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: um, this is not a Levi Williams game. No, nope. you're not going <laughs> to see Levi Williams come no, out. No, um, and I mean, in all seriousness, though. We mentioned how difficult it is because we're we're facing, you know, the fourth unique offense in four weeks, uh, the second really good offense. Um, I think there's something to be said about these li- the line that we're up against on both sides of the ball. Yeah, is very very good and also very very different. We are asking so much of our linemen on both sides of the ball to go to Air Force and play those guys who we all know the reputation that air force has they are a very difficult team to play in the trenches and then to play these guys in the very next week yeah um, who are very difficult in the trenches for just completely different reasons yeah. i mean they are they, they look like a, a p5 team the up front they, they look like they a do. p5 team they do they do and they it's, it's a completely different game up front but it's just as difficult if not more difficult than what we were asking these guys last week um 
that's a lot. It, it really is a lot to ask, and that is going to be something that we probably see. I mean, and keep your eye on on this, you know, third and fourth quarter. These guys are going to be gassed. It, it is tough to play these guys up front, especially when you're still trying to recover from playing Air Force the last week. I mean, uh, it, it's it's a tough matchup. It's tough to teach this. It's tough to have that physicality, and you can't teach size. There's just some things that it's going to be a tough matchup. It really is. This is going to be a tough one. And running the ball is we're going to see it in our, in our total yardage, I think on the ground. Um, it's tough. It's going to be really, really hard. Yeah. It's tough sledding. It is just, t- it's tough sledding against these guys. Um, if there is a, a hole on this team for this, this James Madison team, it would be in the pass defense, not in the pass rush. I will, I will be clear. Not in the pass rush. Uh, <laughs> Chroma is excellent up there, and then they have two very good defensive ends in Mikhail Kamara and Jalen Green. They sack the quarterback as well as anybody. They're fifth in the country, I think, for sacks. Uh, they pressure the quarterback. They will blitz the quarterback. Utah State, it, it cannot be assumed that Utah State will, can just get past that, right? That is not the case. That was not the case against Air Force. Air Force doesn't blitz that much, and and Air Force saw a hole in the in the in the Utah State offensive line, the protection that it was willing to exploit for pretty much the entire second half of that game, and really, I mean, throughout the game. Um, and you better believe that James Madison will see that hole too. And if Utah State can't get past this pass rush, then there's not really a whole lot of point in talking about the pass defense at all, because there's not enough time to do anything. But this pass defense is, I think, 119 nationally in yards allowed per game, almost 300 passing yards allowed per game. And part of that is that you can't run against them, so you have to pass a million times. Um, but part of that is they've had some trouble at cornerback. Devin Coles is experienced, but he's 5'9". He's had some trouble against bigger receivers. He's the returning starter at corner. And then the guys they've had opposite him, Brent Austin, Chauncey Logan, and D'Angelo Pons, have all had some good plays, but they've also all had some bad plays, and they're all underclassmen. Um, there's room to work against these corners. There are There's space to make plays if McKay Hillstead is upright long enough to make those plays, if there's time for routes to develop down the field. Um, because I, I, this is not really the sort of game where you just want to hit underneath routes over and over and over again because James Madison doesn't miss tackles. They don't really make mistakes of that that variety. The passes, if you're going to pass on these guys, it has to be down the field, and you need time to do that. And, and, and so I think that... There's a there's an avenue here for Utah State. If Utah State's going to win or be competitive in this game, it's going to start with the passing attack being good and efficient and going down the field making big plays. But you need to block these guys, and Utah State has not shown a capacity for doing that consistently to this point. This is for sure, in my mind at least, going to be the most interesting part of the game. I think as I, as I look at this and I break it down, um, our ability to to throw the ball it, it this is our path to victory yeah um it's also a treacherous path it's it's a difficult path to follow because of their their pass rush ability not because of their secondary by any means i don't think i think our um you know if you can protect the quarterback we can throw on these guys i am worried that our ability to protect the quarterback is going to be a theme that we're going to be forced to talk about on this show yeah. more than I want to. Yeah. I'm worried about this. Yeah. Um, I was worried about this with Laga, who is a tough, tough kid. He's well-sized. He's a uh, state wrestling champion. He's 
he's hard to, to tackle, hard to keep down. Yeah. I am especially worried about it with a 5'10", 185 true freshman. Yeah. Um, I am really worried about our ability to protect the quarterback. I like McKay Hillstead and his abilities. I'm really excited to see what he can do. But if we can't build a pocket for him, if we can't give him any time, um, I am worried that he is not going to look very good. Um, yeah. He is undersized. He is young. Uh, he is. He, he, he's 18 years old, right? I mean, he's. I think so. Yeah, 18 or 19. Uh, yeah, he's he's a Utah kid, but did not take a two-year break like is you know somewhat common. This yeah. is a kid that was at prom a few months ago, and he's again 5'10", 185, I think is what he's officially listed at. He's he's small. He's a true freshman. He hasn't started yet. There's a ton of question marks around McKay Hillstead alone let alone you know you know just just on him um yeah our ability to protect him is a whole different conversation and i think that's another area where there's a lot of question marks um to your point and like we've kind of been saying if we can protect this guy if we can keep him uh protected long enough to to do stuff to to play his game yeah i'm really impressed with what we've seen i i'm really impressed with uh, what has been said about McKay Elstead. I'm really excited to see what he can do. If, like I said, if there is a path to victory, it's McKay Hillstead throwing the ball. Yeah. Um, I, I am worried about our, our ability to keep him, keep him safe and keep him uh, untouched in the backfield. Yeah. Yep. I think that that's, uh, I think that's about the, the long and short of it um, is that it would be great to see what McKay can do here, but we need to be able to see what he can do. <laughs> and you can't really see that if he's not, you know, standing. If he's if he's on the ground, that's not really seeing what he can do as a passer, and that is going to be contingent very heavily on Utah State's offensive line improving and stepping up. I would not be surprised to see some personnel changes there. I, I you know, I yeah. talked about on the recap. I think that the Ralph Frias era at left tackle has probably come to an end, um, and that is uh, understandable given what has happened at that position to start this season. Yeah. But by Utah State's admission. McKay Hillstead is still learning protection calls. He's still learning how to do this stuff because he's a true freshman making his first start. And it's just, it's a lot to ask. And, you know, there's a path there if he can do that, if they can keep him upright, if he can get the ball out of the pocket consistently and have a pocket consistently. I think that that's the way that Utah State wins or competes in this game is, is with the passing attack, with a defense that can make some big plays, with all that stuff. But you're, again, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot here of a team that, that is working through some stuff, I think, in, in Utah State against a James Madison team that really isn't. Um, they are set. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it. They're very good at it. And I would guess that this game probably plays out about how you would expect it to based on all of that stuff. I, I you know, my, my prediction in the preview was pretty close, honestly. I think it was like 34-28 James Madison. I think Utah State would be pretty happy with that. I know it's a home game against a G5 team and you want to win those, but these guys are really good and Utah State has a lot of work to do. Yeah, there there are a lot of question marks, but I, I will say, you know, question marks are question marks. They're not um, yeah, they're not necessarily bad. They're certainly not good, but I do think there's a lot that Utah State could come out and prove. Uh, winning is not out of the question in this game by any means. Yeah. Um, there are things that I feel not very confident about, but there are also things I feel optimistic about, McKay Hillstead being one of those things. Um, I think we can protect him. I think it's possible. And if we do, I think he's going to uh, 
to, I think he's going to really, you know, put the ball downfield and, and, and break open some big plays. Um, but it's, it's like you said, it's a lot to ask of a team that we don't know very well. Um, I will also point out the football power index actually has these two teams really, really close. Yeah. Um, James Madison is 84. We're 87. Only two teams be- between the two of them. Um, it should be somewhat evenly matched, uh, all things considered, according to at least according to that metric, which put as much stock into that as you'd like to. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that there's. Uh, there's a chance this is close. There's a chance Utah State comes out on top. We talked about what we need to see kind of for either of those things. Um, and don't get me wrong, this could be this could be ugly, but I do think there's a path to victory for Utah State. Um, I think it stays close as well. I think that it, it should be a close game at home in Logan. Um, a lot to prove, a lot of, a lot of untested players on our side, a lot of uh, question marks. I think it's a one-score game either way, and I'd love to see Utah State come out uh, on top of that one. Yep. All right, let's talk about the rest of the Mountain West here. Let's get into this. We've got two conference games that will lead the way, um, both on Friday night. Got a double feature on Friday night, Air Force at San Jose State and Boise State at San Diego State. We have talked about the latter game a pretty good amount. The former, um, I think it's just a chance for Air Force to to prove itself as one of the better teams, one of the best teams, honestly, in this conference. I have them right up there with Fresno State. I think San Jose State is firmly average to maybe a little bit above average, and it's uh, it's a road test for Air Force. Go on the you know go on the road, play against a team with a good quarterback, play against a team that has a pretty distinct identity. I would assume that Air Force wins this game. I am a believer in this Air Force team, but I'm just I'm excited to watch them play. Interested to see what this looks like. Yeah, it's it's that time of year, baby. I'm I'm stoked. Conference play, man. There's there's just nothing like it. Uh, we're, we're definitely getting into that season. Um, on that note, actually, the, you know, James Madison, just my final note on this, I know I'm taking a step back, but yeah. I will say if, if there's a textbook trap game, this is it. Yeah. Um, another, another thing that I just didn't even mention that I've been thinking about a lot actually is uh, it's a difficult task to get Utah State geared up for conference play and then have to backpedal out of that. Yeah, um, especially against the top team. So I, I will say uh, it, it is also an interesting kind of trap game for James Madison. This is their third road game yep. in a row. They were at Virginia, then Troy, then Utah State. Those are three very different places. <laughs> those are yeah. those are different and locations and different systems. Um, very different. Uh, very yeah, tough to play three road games in a row. And you know they're doing the same thing too. They opened up against Troy uh, conference opponent last week. So weird, definitely weird stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, conference play is awesome. Air Force in San Jose, that's going to be a fun one. Um, I think I mostly agree with you on San Jose State. Uh, a little bit, dis- I, I would say they're average to below average. Um, yeah. But I think I think we're kind of in agreement. They're right there in the middle. Big believer of Air Force. I, I would expect them to win that game. Um, Boise State, San Diego State. Again, we've said it. This was supposed to be um, championship game part one, and it's not. I mean, this is... A, battle for fourth or fifth place maybe at this point it'll be really really interesting i think the implications are huge on this game to uh the titans of of the league uh recently really uh struggling kind of in a race to get right yeah um it'll be an interesting game a lot of implications but that's always the case with with conference play They, they they matter and they're tough 
So yeah, two I, good games. I think the word for Boise State, San Diego State, would be anxiety bowl. I think this is an anxiety <laughs> bowl situation. Yeah, yeah. We have a little bit of uh, just some some nerves on both sides of the ball here. Not necessarily as like a oh we want to go out and win, but more as a oh we can't lose. We really really cannot afford to lose this game. And I think you're getting that on both sides, which can create some very nervous football. And nervous football is always interesting. So (laughs) interested to see what that looks like. Um, Outside of the conference slate, honestly, really just one game stands out to me. I think there are a couple that are kind of interesting, but there are some really bad matchups in here as well, just not especially compelling, not a lot of good teams involved in them. Uh, one of the one, the, the one that I really like, the one that I'm really looking forward to on Saturday is App State at Wyoming. Two just fun programs, two very physical, run heavy, play a lot of defense, good running backs, good lines. Um, this is going to be throwback, classic football here. Very excited to watch this one. I think a great test for Wyoming at home. Um, and uh, a fun matchup. I, li- I like to see the Sunbelt Mountain West co- crossovers. We talked about that in one of the first episodes we recorded of this, of just you don't have to make one big conference, just play each other. Just play each other in the yeah, non-conference. Yeah. Just, it's, it's fun. I like to see these, these programs meeting because you don't usually see this sort of matchup. Yeah, and th- this is just a fun one. I, I love the Sunbelt Mountain West too. I think um, the way the group of five is shaking out, I know there's it's it's a never changing landscape and we you know haven't talked about conference realignment in a while because uh, you know we we're very blessed to not have to talk about it in a while but yeah uh, i know that's changing but as it's shaping up right now i think the mountain west and the sunbelt are kind of the two two of the premier group of five teams uh, or or conferences it's a fun matchup i think the culture of both conferences are really fun and especially these two schools app state and wyoming are two of the more um, fun and unique brands, I would say. App State kind of has a reputation as a uh, as a Power Five killer. They're an upset machine. Uh, Wyoming this year has kind of done the same thing. They they beat Texas Tech and they really uh, I think scared the the Longhorns last week. Yeah, just a really fun kind of gritty gritty matchup with these two teams. Um, th- this is a fun one. This this is a game that. Games like this should happen every year. I, I really think this is going to be a, one of the funner games, um, especially compared to so many conference games going on. Um, this one's going to be surprisingly fun. Yeah, and then it's a big drop-off. It's UNLV at UTEP, Colorado State at Middle Tennessee State, Kent State at Fresno State, New Mexico State at Hawaii, New Mexico at UMass, and Nevada at Texas State. Which of these is catching your eye, if uh, if any of them? Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if any. Uh, let, let me throw uh, throw my wolf pack a bone. Let's go Nevada, <laughs> Texas State. Okay. That one is, is in all honesty, catching my eye a little bit. Not because it's going to be a, you know, a crazy entertaining game. Not because it's going to have major implications. Nevada is still, you know, I, I am still not a believer in Nevada. But after what they did last week, I'm curious to see if they're turning a corner a little bit. Um, so this is one that I'm I'm maybe watching with uh, with an attitude of, of caution, yeah. uh, cautious optimism towards Nevada, but uh, they still have to prove a lot to me. They've been terrible, uh, quite frankly, and it's been that way for a while. But um, I'd love to see them them pull that off. But but really, this is a, a pretty uh, um, it should go pretty chalk. Fresno State still uh, riding high. They need to 
they need to stay focused, make sure they get that win against Kent State. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. UNLV at UTEP could be fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think the, uh, the big games are definitely the ones we, we mentioned. I think ours as well, Utah State, uh, JMU is probably one of the, yeah. the bigger games for the conference. This week. Yeah, it would be right up there with App State and Wyoming if it was on this list. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, you know, they're kind of interesting, maybe mid level. Uh, Mountain West versus like like mid to low level probably Mountain West versus mid to low level CUSA with the UNLV at UTEP and uh, Colorado State at Middle Tennessee State I guess that's kind of interesting just as a measuring stick for those programs um, yeah you know Colorado State coming off of a very emotional football game and and seeing if they can if they can bounce back and get a win this week this would be a, a really True. you know True. A, a really big one for them this would be very valuable for them to go and do this um, I know it's you know Middle Tennessee State is not a, a giant killer or anything like that, but it's a, it's a decent enough program. They usually go to a bowl game. Would be a really good win for Colorado State. Um, UNLV at UTEP. I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> kind of fun, I guess. It's kind of yeah. interesting. It could be potentially kind of interesting. Um, Fresno State would have to, I think, would have to mess up pretty severely to be competitive with Kent State. Kent State is yeah. like maybe the worst team in america right now they are not good they are not good at anything they, they do not have they do not have an fbs level roster maybe we should get them playing with nevada see what see what goes on there but um <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's uh I, I think it's really the big the big three big four if you include utah state and then there's some mid-level stuff that might be kind of interesting and then the bottom is really bad the bottom is really 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 bad new mexico umass is a is a, a pairing of two of the worst teams in college football New Mexico yep. State at Hawaii, I think kind of the same deal with the the other ones, the CUSA matchups that I mentioned. Um, it's on at midnight, so I guess if you need something to do, I uh, <laughs> I cannot in good conscience recommend the team uh, the team one app or whatever it's called uh, that that Hawaii uses. That thing is uh, is a piece of junk. It is terrible. It's it does bad. it does it's not bad. work. I'm sure Utah State fans remember that from last year. That app does not work. It's <laughs> just not functioning. Yeah. So uh, maybe find an alter an, an alternative source for watching that game if you're going to do that. I'm not going to yeah. not going to point you in any, any specific directions there but i think you guys know what i'm what i'm what i'm talking about i don't i think you guys understand what i'm laying down when i say that just you know there are other there are other ways to watch a football game um it isn't necessarily the team one app uh yeah it's it's a it's a pretty fun it's a pretty fun week at the top end of the conference uh i think that there will be a decent amount to learn obviously two big conference games we're getting into that part of the year uh exciting it's exciting yeah, it is. It is exciting, and you know, you know, you, you said that the the top half is interesting, and what I would counter is, uh, yes, the top half of this slate is interesting. The bottom half should not be. Nope. Um, if if New Mexico <laughs> State at Hawaii gets interesting, we have a problem. Uh, if yeah. UMass gets interesting with New Mexico, we have a problem. Um, I'm really, uh, as a fan, I'm getting pretty frustrated with the bottom half of Mountain West. These guys have got to step it up and just, yeah. uh, just. Be be a middling G five program. Like let's not just be bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Fresno State. If that game gets interesting, the Bulldogs have a problem. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a tale of the interesting games and the hopefully uninteresting games this week. Um, definitely a, a healthy dose of both. But uh, the the game up in Logan is going to be a big one. That's the one I'm obviously looking forward to the most, and that could go 
you know, really any number of ways. Yep. And we'll be back here on probably Monday, uh, Monday or Tuesday to break it down and talk about whatever happened. Um, I think that's all I've got, Parker, unless you've got anything else, we'll get out of here. Yeah, that's, that does it for me. Can't wait to talk about uh, this game and, you know, whatever direction it goes, we'll talk all about it next week. I'm excited.